Welcome to the Kill Your Internet Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode number 55 of the Kill Your Internet Podcast presented by High Brew Coffee. With you, as always, is your boy Colin flying solo today. No Rose Malone, no Ken, no Jimmy, uh, just myself. Uh, It's a special episode. We're going to be reviewing... Uh, track by track, the new Bruce Springsteen album, Letter to You, which just came out this past week. Incredible album. And to help me do it, we have the chief of a lot of things, the head of WXPN, one of our favorite radio stations in the world, Mr. Bruce Warren here, to help break down track by track, Letter to You. Incredible album. I uh, couldn't have been happier how it came out. And the first time in a while where I left a Bruce Springsteen record was like, damn, he's on his shit. So happy to be here. Uh, it is odd flying solo, to be completely honest. I'm used to being trapped in a room with uh, the rest of the idiots, but hey, we're going to do it this way tonight. Uh, along with Bruce Warren, I do have a special guest that I want to bring on. I want to see if I can get him. Uh, one of the only people I think I could talk Bruce with at this level. Um, my best friend in the world, my little brother, Matt. So let's see if we can get him. Hello. Yo, what's up, Maddie? Hey. What are you doing? Nothing, sitting in my house. Dude, you're wearing the Foxtrot hoodie? Yeah, that was not actually planned at all, actually. Is only Dude, is that, is that the one I left in the back of your car? Yeah, it says my name. Right oh, there. that's yours. I left mine in the back of your car, and it definitely smells terrible because I wore it while I was running that day. Why is it in my car? I don't know, dude. It was the day I was moving all this stuff. By the way, congratulations on the new house. It looks beautiful. Thank you. As the first Bloodney man to own his own home, how does that feel? It feels good. It does. <laughs> so what we're doing today is we're talking about the new Bruce album, and I thought to myself, there's no one else I'd rather talk to it about than you. So I want you to know that that's something special for you. Right. Yeah, I feel honored. <laughs> I can tell how much you love being on camera, yo. This is so funny to me. <laughs> um, so did you listen to it? Everything. Everything? What's your thought? I love it. Dude, it, it's it's so fucking good because what's going to follow this is an hour-long interview with Bruce Warren where we broke it down song by song. Like, we went in deep, bro. This was the nerdiest conversation I ever had. We both had multiple pages of notes. Um, first off, where do you put it as far as, like, if you're looking at your, like, favorite Bruce albums? Because, I mean, for background on everybody, like, me and Maddie are both Bruce nerds. We always have been... Um, like all right so what's your favorite bruce album i don't know if i ever asked you this darkness by far good answer that's also my answer where do you put this out of like recent albums recent albums yeah like looking at high hopes western stars oh um what like way up there number one yeah to me it's the best thing since i don't even know like looking back on like i mean i can go as far back as saying it's my favorite thing since born in the usa but i mean the rising was great too Rising was great, but it sucks because all his songs are so spread out over all his albums. Like, I know. he may put out an album with, like, I mean, look at Nebraska, and then it has like Atlantic City on it, is the only song that people care about. And I know. Greatest songs of all time. And it really is. So you can't say that you love Nebraska unless you're like the one person who loves Nebraska. But yeah, unless you unless you can quote me the lyrics from Johnny Nine Nine, like don't even try and tell me that Nebraska is your favorite. Actually, and it's funny too because I bring up Steve Kessler a lot on this this episode too with Bruce. Or I was um, gonna bring up Kessler when when you said who's the number one person that I'd want to. I know, I know, I know. Well, me and Kessler have been having so many conversations. Um, looking at the album, 
what is what, what were the standout songs you like what were your favorite songs so far the power of prayer is my number one by like not even close that's my number one by far i i think song for orphans might be my favorite yeah and then i just listened to the album a little bit ago and i think i listened to like two more songs that i heard i hate like every song i listen to i hear it in like a new light every time i, I listen to dude the funny thing is like I didn't like go as deep into because Bruce Warren goes really into the lyrics and stuff like that. He has like lines written down and there was things I hadn't even thought about. But like the conversation later in the episode about the power of prayer is fucking incredible because I said to him and I was like, this is like Bruce Springsteen doing one of his religious like allegories and all this shit. He's like, it's about hope, dude. It's not about actual prayer. It's about hope. He's like, why do we pray? We pray for hope. Oh, I I also take it as like the being thankful for the things that you have. Yeah. Um. I also love the structure of the song. Yeah, it's, it's really such beautiful. a well put together song. It's not just like it's not verse, verse, chorus. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's it, the the way that song's structured is brilliant, and it's 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 a story from from beginning to end. It's 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 so well put together. I like it too because it's got kind of like the the Jungle Land kind of Thunder Road opening. Well, with the, Jungle the Land's my my favorite song by. Oh, Bruce. I know that. I yeah, know. Was, was there anything on the, on the album you didn't like or was there any like gripe you had about the album at all no not the only, not, i can't i can't think of one the only thing i had was i wanted more saxophone well i mean that's probably why i like power pair so much because yeah. it has like that like that whiny like real deep saxophone like my, my first songs by bruce are any song uh like meant to evoke emotion like and jungle land like he he has the um like it's an emotional song yeah breakdown and clarence holds that real long note and then so it's like everything you were feeling they just amplified by a hundred by the saxophone yeah, that's a good point yeah this is so, this is the first serious conversation because you were on like the first like two episodes of the podcast we would just call you and, and like fuck with you which by the way the podcast right, has come a that. long way since then a long goddamn way since then but uh I'm happy to actually get you like having succinct thought instead of just being like, Hey, what are you doing? You're like, I don't know. Fuck you. Like it is what it is. <laughs> How's yeah. the Academy going? How's the For those of you who don't know, my brother is uh, in the Philadelphia uh, firefighters Academy. So how's that going? It's great. I love it. Did you get lit on fire yet? <laughs> no, I didn't get lit on fire. Do they let you on fire? No, that's not, that's not a good way to train. <laughs> Dude. Uh, can I tell you something? What? You look skinny. I look skinny. Yeah. Well, you look very fire handsome. Academy. Thank the fire academy for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else are you listening to besides Bruce? You got anything for me? Oh my god, everything. What? Uh, that's not like I'm new. No, just anything. What have you been into? Um, Bring Me the Horizon is always. You know who I'm huge on right now? If you say Machine Baby. Gun Kelly, I'm going to kill you. No, Lil Baby. No, I love Lil Baby. I actually talk about uh, Lil Baby later in the episode. <laughs> love little baby and like i i i i saw one of the best memes i've ever seen in my life is a <laughs> screenshot of little baby and he's like he's doing like a facebook live but he's like he's like this close to the camera <laughs> <laughs> and the the caption is 
little baby looks like a dude who plays with his animal crackers before eating them. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the most unflattering mixer ever. Dude. (laughs) But his music is so good. I know. I've been been into baby because I I didn't give him as much credit a couple years ago, but he's really like coming to his own. He's the biggest rapper out right now. If you go on the rap playlist, he's every other song. It's a feature with little baby. No, if you wanna if you wanna really understand how popular he is, go on his Spotify or Apple Music or whatever, and then go down to like um, appears on. Oh, it's it's unbelievable. It's like every album that's come out in like the past five years. It's so <laughs> funny too, because like he's like he's making so much money right now from this. Uh, I follow this. Um, it's a jewelry store in Atlanta called Icebox, where yeah. all like the famous rappers buy their stuff, and. Uh, Little baby is like every episode is like, oh, like Quavo was here, and also little baby is still here. <laughs> like every <laughs> he just like lives at Icebox buying jewelry all the time. Uh, you find that amount of money. So how's the house going? Honestly, like what's the experience like of, of buying your own home? Uh, it's the most yes. stressful and the most <laughs> fun thing ever. Oh my fucking god, dude! I remember the first day going in there; it was just gutted completely out, and it already looks like it's fucking coming together. So. Yeah, just need the backsplash. COVID has delivery times down. Yeah, well, I mean, except for Amazon because they're an evil conglomerate that is, like, tapping our... Dude, me and Dana were downstairs, like, just, like, watching TV, and all of a sudden, Alexa started talking to us. You want to hear something creepy? I bought this yesterday. Oh, I love San Pellegrino. So I just bought it. I've actually never bought this before. And I bought it, and then I come in, and there's an Instagram ad of this. Like, I come to my house, I sit down, I get on Instagram, and I'm just scrolling, and there's an Instagram ad for San Pellegrino. And I'm like, I never even Googled or spoke of San Pellegrino a day in my life. You know how I know that Alexa knows I'm a douchebag? You know what all my Instagram ads are for? Hair care products. It's always like... I was going to say hair products. It's all hair products, dude. It's (laughs) always like... Like, every single ad that I get is like, like, lightest pomade possible. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? How often are you Googling hair products? I'm never Googling hair products. That's the thing. They have a camera inside my house. Or are you just talking about them so much? (laughs) I'm thinking about them and the the fucking chip (laughs) they implanted in my head in my sleep is going off, dude. Um... Is there anything you're like anybody whose music you're really excited for right now? Because I know Chris Stapleton has a record coming out. Well, if Kendrick ever decides to come out with an album again, that would he be will. Um, the new anything J Cole. Oh uh, yeah, Lion King so, on Ice. J J Cole or Kendrick, anything they do, I'm excited for. Um, I actually really like the song that Bring Me the Horizon just dropped. You do love Bring Me the Horizon, you and Jeff, dude. Love. Can you hear Jeff through your can you hear Jeff through your wall? No. Maddie bought a house next door to one of his best friends. So like I I didn't realize until I was dropping him off at his house. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, I asked him where his house was and he said the address next to mine. And I was like, hey, what? Why didn't you tell me that? Dude, uh, well, thanks for stopping by because the rest of the band was not available tonight and I I didn't want to go right into the Bruce Warren interview. So um, so instead of instead, it started as, oh, who would I rather talk about Bruce than <laughs> anybody else on this planet? I was I gonna do this. So I was gonna do this anyway. I was really gonna do this anyway. I always uh, ask you to come on. How many times have I asked you to come on a podcast? A million. A million. You could be a regular contributor if you wanted to. Well, maybe I will. Oh, here's one more question. You see how Barstool's doing all the fucking cheesesteak reviews and shit like that? 
Yeah. Well, where's this news one? He posted a picture of it the other day. It's not. I know, yet. but no, he hasn't. He hasn't put it out yet. Where would you fucking suggest to go? <laughs> or Joe's, but not the one, not the Joe's in the original Joe's. Yeah, not the Joe's in Fishtown. I think it's at. I think it's at. I want to say Tarsdale and Benner. All right. Well, sure. for anybody listening, fucking cop up on Joe's, dude. Uh, Maddie, I love you. Love you too. All right. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> all right so that was my little brother matt very happy to have him back on the podcast he did like the first like three episodes where me and eric who is my cousin so he's matt's cousin as well would call him into the interview and just fuck with him for like a minute and a half straight and then hang up but it's nice to hear him with like a succinct thought and actually the kid knows what he's talking about he knows more about music than most musicians that you will ever meet couldn't make a sound come out of an instrument if he dropped it off a building, but it doesn't matter. He knows more about music. He loves music. He's an incredibly intelligent young man and a soon-to-be Philadelphia firefighter. So, shouts out to Maddie. Glad he was here. Uh, we're going to go into our interview with Bruce Warren now. Uh, before we do, once again, shout out to our sponsors here, High Brew Coffee. Uh, five or 10% off all online orders with promo code Foxtrot. Uh, you can get it at Wawa. I always get it at Wawa before I run. Uh, by the way, with the running thing, I'm at 84 miles with three days left. So I got a couple of long days ahead of me. Of course, I'll be drinking hybrid coffee. Only thing that can fuel you for a run. Got to do it. Uh, triple shots available everywhere. Uh, let's go in to our interview with Bruce Warren from WXPN. All right, ladies and gentlemen, your guest for today's Kill Your Internet podcast. I believe this is his fourth time around. Uh, you're, you and Wendy Rollins are in the running for our, our most uh, frequent guests. We have Bruce Warren, the chief of a lot of things here. Bruce, how are we today, buddy? I'm fantastic. It's great. It's always a good time when the boss here let me make the when the boss puts out a new fucking record dude right it it's it, it, it is the shining light right now in what we have going on in the world and it's funny cuz Bruce just held his notes up to the to the camera i also have pages of notes as well um me and Bruce have been talking about the record for a while just speculation and what we thought was going to happen and uh, with the singles dropped before we were we were both excited and uh, i i mean i don't want to take words out of your mouth but i was my expectations were exceeded i i'm so happy with what i got yeah uh likewise i agree totally so i mean we've been going back and forth talking about it a lot and for for those of you who you know aren't privy to me and bruce's conversations what we're going to do here is break down uh letter to you the new bruce springsteen and the east street band record uh -oh. <laughs> what is that what the hell is that <laughs> Is that you? I, I, I think. It hold ain't on. me. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is that me playing crappy music? I think it was you playing crappy music. Oh my God, it was. <laughs> I won't even say who it was. Don't worry you, about it. If you rewind and Shazam it, you could probably get it. There you go. Um, yeah. Right, no free okay. ads, Bruce. No free ads. Let me... Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, that was so funny. I was listening to some really bad music on Spotify and... You know, to keep abreast, Colin, so like, here's what happens. You know, we're, we're both huge music fans, right? Yes, we are. So I listen to music for myself as a fan, but yep. also I listen to music for the radio station where I work at, uh, WXPN. And as you can imagine, I get every day, I get dozens and dozens of emails. So I was, I was like, okay, I have an hour before I talk to you. Let me catch up <laughs> and listen to some music. So I just like pulled up all these emails and I just pulled up Spotify and was like, boom, boom, boom. And it was like, no, 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 shitty, shitty, stuff, stuff, stuff. <laughs> the joy of WXBM for me is the fact that you actually get um, 
I don't know, there's some like discretion in what you guys do because we talk to a lot of people on the radio and there's a lot of you know companies, conglomerates and such that don't get as much discretion. They're kind of handed what they're going to play and they're going to play it. Uh, WXBAN is actually curated, so that's what we love about the station. Thank you. No problem. We do our uh, best. Uh, before we get into Bruce, why don't, why don't I ask you this? Um, what else have you been listening to? just out of curiosity, because I know there's one thing that I, I think we, we both have posted about that I'm a big fan of. Uh, the new Devin Gilfillian covering the entire Marvin Gaye record is fucking so well done. So it, well done. Yeah, I agree. It, it is a stunning accomplishment. Yes, um, it is. It really is fantastic. Um, you know, um, even though it's not that different than the original, yeah. um, the playing is fantastic. They, they tweak the arrangements just enough to give it a really unique, um, you know, its own unique uh, flavor. Yeah. Um, Devin's singing on it is off the charts. I, it, uh, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, he brought in some unbelievable players. Um, and I remember I was watching the special that he did um, a few weeks ago and he was performing with the band on it. And I was watching it with my wife and I was like, how do these guys learn all these parts so quickly? It's, it's unbelievable, like they, man. They really turned it around pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fantastic. That's one of my favorite records of all time. And I remember as a kid loving Inner City Blues so much. And just like, and he did such a great job. Because I mean, that is a, that's a ballsy move because that is not an easy record. This is not like you're covering fucking three-part blues. You're covering some of the most complex arrangements ever put on record. Yeah. And uh, I thought he did just an absolutely immaculate job. And the performance he did for Colbert, I think it was. Oh, it was great. Was unbelievable. And yeah, I mean, for a guy from Philly going down to Nashville, and I, I you know, I, I do let him know through social media. I'll hit him up and just be like, dude, I can't, I, I'm blown away. This is unbelievable. So, yeah. uh, shouts out to Devin Gilfillian. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, we had um, Will Yip on the program last week. Yeah. who is now a new friend and someone that uh, we're picking his brain about certain things. But I've been going back and doing a lot of the Menzingers records and I've been in kind of like a uh, gaslight anthem. I've been very heavy on Brian Fallon. That's where I am right now in music. Okay. And I think that, that actually leads very well into the Bruce Springsteen conversation. Oh yeah. Um, Bruce, just off the top. I, I mean, let's talk thematically. I think you've, you've posted a lot about this, but I think thematically this is the most I've been, cause I mean, he usually does try and capture a moment. I mean, with the rising, obviously he captured a moment and then with wrecking ball dealing with depression and all that. But I think this to me is his most clear cut. Um, I don't know. You, you brought up the topic of brotherhood and, and about loss and about that. So I want to let you go into that and what you thought about that. Well, I mean, listen, this is the perfect summation of Bruce Springsteen's 47 plus years, right? This, I think this album has. Yes. Um, you have very familiar themes. You know, you have love, loss, redemption, rock and roll. Um, but it's really crystallized on this record. Yes. You know, um, is there, you know, is there a standout like Born to Run or Darkness or Thunder Road or whatever? No. However, because those songs have already been done. Yes. Right. But as I uh, often said, there's no outlaw Pete. Um, and from start to finish, um, every song sort of reinforces, um, you know, his persona yes. and his, his total body of work. Yes. Um, so, uh, again, I think it is, a, is like a near perfect summation of, of his years with the band, with the yes. band. Um, and, you know, I, I actually saw the documentary before I heard the whole album. Oh, really? So... I kind of went into listening to the album with a different, with a, with some context. Right. 
that one wouldn't necessarily have if you just like sort of listen to the album. Although when you look at the lyrics and listen to the lyrics, it's very introspective and very reflective. So that's my, that's my overall uh, sensibility. The on only it. thing that I had going into it was the interview he did with Zane Lowe from Apple Music. Um, and I thought that was outstanding. I like a lot of the interviews that Zane Lowe does, but so it gave me an idea about where Bruce was going with this. Mm -hmm. Um, and I like the, the, the thought of reinforcement that you, you brought in that I thought this was the first time in a very long time that Bruce kind of revisited the well on certain tones and certain textures, because when you look back recently, Western stars is, uh, he called it a jewel box of a record, but it's very Roy Orbison, very, uh, very western if you want to put it in blatant's terms but then you go back to like uh high hopes is experimental you bring in fucking tom morello to do his thing and then wrecking ball of course also very experimental and very different for bruce and very modern right. um there's a lot of things on this record where with most of these songs i wrote down kind of the reference tracks that i like i kind of hear when i hear these songs and that was refreshing to me um i, re I really enjoyed a lot of the older textures but the one thing the only gripe that i have with the whole record is um and I mean, it's impossible to replace the big man, but I, I, there was a lack of horns. To, like, Jay Clemens is an amazing saxophone player. And they brought him in for certain things that I really enjoyed, but I was hoping for a few of those moments where I'd get to hear a little bit more sax. But that's it. That's all I have to say about as far as picks. Yeah. Um, to Jake's playing, though, um, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, there's never a wasted note. Nope. And uh, on the few songs that he's on, uh, it comes in like right at the right, at the at the best time, right? Absolutely. So, like, remember that scene in the documentary when um, Jake's about to do a solo and the boss stands up and he's sort of like conducting him. Yeah. Like that. That's a very emotionally intense moment, right? Hundred so, percent. Um, you know, I think it's very. I think I think the the um the amount of of him on the album is actually intentional yes and i i agree with that it was just more of like from a listener's point of view and what i especially i mean you look at our band you look at will shade i li i love some horns so i was like yeah. i was hoping that but i will say to me uh i don't know if I, we can pick an mvp besides bruce i think to me this crystallized the importance of max weinberg in this uh. band from from the first the first opening because the first thing we got was the single letter to you um my first initial reaction was oh my God, Max is just the glue of this band. And the first snare hit, I'm like, oh, the, the recording, the, 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 it's, it's his best sounding album in a while is what I'll say to start. But um, yeah, I, would, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think Max is the, uh, is the other MVP um, on, on this record. Um, uh, I, I will tell you, you know, I don't have a gripe. Um, and you wouldn't maybe know this from not seeing the documentary. Right. Um, but um, Nils plays mostly acoustic guitar on the record yeah right and i mean and, nils is just known for what he does with a strat he's just known for what he exactly. does with an electric guitar I was like waiting for something i was i was i was waiting for something from nils um but i've listened i've always said that like the minute that bruce added a second guitar player um it, it really it, it decreased the quality uh of the electric guitars in that band believe yeah. it or not that sounds really weird it does like, over the years We've lost those amazing stinging sol uh, guitar solos. Stevie's great. Nils yeah. is great. But the boss is the fucking boss. He's the boss. Know? There was a moment, and, and um, uh, I think it might have been letter, but there's a certain bend that happens with, and you can tell it's a telly, and you know right away that it's Bruce, and that's when in my head I put it together. 
that that yeah that's Vinny that's my dog uh that Nils was kind of taking a background note on this and he was playing uh he was playing acoustics on this record so I'm gonna go back to a max um so um one of my favorite tracks on the album is Ghosts I love Ghosts um it's just amazing but like you know to your point about the snare right like he, mm-hmm. Max starts that song off like boom, 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 boom. And then all of a sudden you hear Bruce go, I hear the sound of your guitar. That's the E Street Band right there. It is there. the E Street Band like, encapsulated. Totally, totally encapsulated. But I want to go back to something you said. Um, so you made some reference notes about um, a previous songs that, re- that you've heard or caught vibes of in yes. the stuff as did i so you want to can you talk about what some of those are sure um just going through and the, the first because i mean um one minute you're here obviously we've had this conversation privately but it's very it's a very nice transition from western stars into um into letter to you and i thought that had to be intentional for one and, and two it's a nice subtle note and it introduces the band subtly yeah. um but with burn and train the third song which was my first standout like my first listen burn and train was what i was obsessed with and it reminded me of nights it very much reminded me of nights oh. and that was like a born, it was the first thing in a while i was like that sounds the intensity the way it builds very mm-hmm. much nights from born to run mm-hmm. um and then going through uh, Last Man Standing, which is another another song I'm gonna like wax poetic about, but it, it was that was very darkness, very darkness on the edge of town. Like that was very, and there's not one song on there, but just the way that they did things, very darkness to me. Um, going back through, <laughs> I have uh, House of a, a Thousand Guitars. I have uh, my note is same uh, Jungle Land opening, but actually very Thunder Road. So that like, <laughs> yeah, very interesting. I can hear that. Yeah, I can totally hear that. Um, I totally hear that. With Rainmaker, my, my reference was Devils and Dust. Like, this was his homage to that era in time, yeah. um, which is which is like the dip on the album per se. Like, and yeah. then it comes back with if I were if I were if I were a priest, which I will say this out loud: the, my two most trusted advisors beside yourself on Bruce are my little brother Matt and my best friend Steve Kessler, who took off work on Friday to listen to the record. I love that. Um, and that was both their pick for their their favorite song i didn't have a um you know wow. any any comparisons on that uh going back through uh okay so song for orphans which i will say and i don't want to give away too much but this might be my favorite track on the record um for a thematic reason but also it sounds like he wrote it in the same day as promised land and just decided to write promised land or keep promised land for darkness over that song so that to me was like that's where my heart sits. We know Darkness is my favorite Bruce album, so that was why I love that. Right. Um, and then my only other note is far. I wrote Ghosts, and just in big, big letters, I wrote the single. Like that to me, like Ghosts was the like that is just such a fucking great chorus and a great hook, man. Did you have any? Re- did you have yeah. any reference tracks? Um, you, you named a couple of them. The Night reference, I think, is totally right on. Um, and you know, I think the Jungle Land thing. Is really interesting. I didn't hear that, but now that you mentioned it, I totally, um, I, to- I totally hear that. Uh, to your point about Ghost, you know, um, that was not the first single uh, that the le- that the label put out. Letter to right, you, and Letter to You was, the- but I mean, when I heard Ghost, I was like, in context with the record, I'm like, this is the standout chorus. This is thematically what you're trying to drive home. Of course, yeah. you drop the title track first, but yeah. like Ghost to me, like stands out as like, okay, yeah, this is okay, what we're talking so about. Here's my. Um, 
here's my uh, when concerts come back and we're all at the Wells Fargo Center or wherever big arena you're seeing the boss in. Yeah. Um, I think he's got to open the next tour with Last Man Standing. Hell yeah, let's go. He's got op- to open with that. Agreed. Totally, right, totally. Then he's got to go into the promised land after that. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. All right, so there's your one-two punch when they return. And then the other thing I cannot wait for is the end of Ghosts. Yes, 100%. Because when they're singing, when the band is chiming in together and everybody's going, la, 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 Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, there's going to be whatever, 45, 50,000 people totally freaking out, right? You bring up the fact that we're thinking about tours, and, and I'm going to bring this up again because my friend Steve actually texted me about this. He made a playlist on Spotify of if this tour was happening this year, what the set list would be. Ooh. And I'll share it with you. It's fucking outstanding. Wow. Um, we're bringing up Ghost, right? And, and there's one thing on this record that, like, as a listener and as a, as a songwriter that I found interesting, it's that Bruce did not take modern tropes into effect when he was looking at song length and, and kind of, like, cutting things down. When I'm in my editing mode, like I am right now, I'm listening to every, everything I hear into like, oh, I would do that differently. There's like four or five songs on the record that I thought were going to stop that had another verse and another chorus on it. Like Ghost right. specifically is like five and a half minutes long. You could have ended that. Right. It's, it's a, a long, long song. song. This yeah. whole record has these moments. Yeah. Um, but as a Bruce fan, I'll take as much as I can get. I just like the fact that he said, fuck the system. I'm doing what I want to do. This is how we're going to make these songs. Yeah, well... He's the boss. He can do anything he wants, right? He already can. <laughs> um, let, let's let's go and and uh, not all bosses can do whatever the hell they want. <laughs> that's well, Bruce. That's that's very much a fact, and you you know better than I, my friend. Uh, let's let's go into like song by song and start talking about things and going all through right. some things. Okay. Um, right. We'll start with uh, one minute. You're here, obviously the yeah. opening track, and um, the first thing that came to mind after listening to the Bruce interview with Zane Lowe was uh, kind of the specter of George, George Thies or Thice. I have his, I, I never get that last name right, but who was a member of the Castiles, which was Bruce's first band right. who he lost in the past year. Um, and he, it leaves Bruce as the only remaining living member of his first band. Right. And you can tell that the losses that he's experienced over the past decade have really affected yeah. Where he's at now. You think about Clarence. Clarence was in 2009, I believe. So we're, we're looking at 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it just sets the tone so well for the whole record. And, and I don't think it's necessarily giving you like the, uh, the instrumental setup for the rest of the record. But as far as thematically, I thought, I thought it was a great opening track. Yeah, it is a beautiful opening track. I also loved your observation that it's a, um, it's a nice intro, I- intro into the Bruce and the E Street Band coming back. Yes. Um, but, you know, just that line, one minute you're here, next minute you're gone. I mean, that's sort of like Neil Young saying, only love can break your heart, right? Yep. Like, it's succinct. It's like right on the money. Um, it it kind of reminds me of, um, uh, shoot, um, now I'm totally spacing up, um, one step up and two steps back. Yep. Two step, what, what's that song uh, from... Um, you know uh, the breakup, the the uh, the breakup album when he was married the first time. You're oh, killing me. Uh, I'm I'm totally spacing out. But anyway, it has a vibe very similar to that. Yeah. Um, but it is a nice uh, a nice sort of welcome back. And I love the line, "Autumn Carnival on the Edge of Town." That is the most Bruce lyric of all time, possibly. Like you know what I mean? Like that. There's so many little things on here that like I was listening back to, and I mean especially with with Letter, the second song. I'll get into that, but he's 
there's these poetic moments that I kind of been missing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really, really enjoyed the introduction, the stage setting. And I mean, he, like I, I was listening to another breakdown of this and just the thought that they didn't bring the band in with letter right away. They let the band gradually step their feet back into the water. And it is kind of like, it's a reacclimation into what the East Street band is. Yeah, totally. No, totally. I think that's a great observation as well. Um, and then, you know, the other thing is, so, you know, he has this edge of town idea running through that first song. Yeah. So it's the autumn carnival on the edge of town. He's got the red river running along the edge of town. And on the muddy banks, he lays his body down. I mean, the imagery is so compelling. And it's, again, so, the, the writing is so succinct. Yes. It's so sharp. Um, and you, you're just immediately sort of brought in to Bruce's world lyrically. Um, and it's, uh, it's a powerful, it's a powerful opening track, by the way, it's tunnel of love, <laughs> tunnel of love. Yeah. I was going to say, and th- there is a bit of, um, with that track and going down to, uh, Rainmaker, I, there's, there's, there's a bit of an homage to his, like, not saying the lost years, but the years that aren't as heavily heralded to where it's like human touch era and, and stuff like that to where it's a little more laid back. I think about songs like, uh, if I should fall behind, like there's these kind of like drop down moments. Good example. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's a great introduction and you bring up the lyric, the, the, the synced way that he's he just evoking imagery to me as a songwriter, there are certain songwriters that I know they do things that I can't. And Bruce does better than anybody uh, the job of painting a picture. Um, I talk a lot about, there's a band in Nashville that we're friends with called Secret Club. And there's a, the songwriter there, his name's AJ Babcock. And he writes for a lot of country singers, but AJ has the ability to write in sarcastic tones and Mm -hmm. tell sarcastic stories i can't do that um but bruce is one thing i've always tried to do just learning from him is the way to paint a picture and that that opening track is just a picture it's it's and and i mean it leads into letter very well because it 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 brings the band back in and then they fucking step out when it comes Mm -hmm. into into letter Mm -hmm. but um when we're talking about imagery right and and the first thing you hear him say on this song is i might butcher the lyrics here but um amongst a horde of mongrel trees. I pulled that bothersome thread. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck does that? How do you do that? How do you do that? It, it doesn't make any sense to me. I heard that lyric and I like the, the idea of pulling the thread, but amongst a horde of mongrel trees, like right. a great line. This motherfucker yeah. must have the, the, the thesaurus out. I'm just looking up. <laughs> Give me a word for gnarled mongrel. Okay. Well, we'll go with that. Um, but yeah, I said right away, Max was my standout on this, just bringing it in and, and, and kind of, the, and I brought up Roy Orbison earlier, but the kind of Roy Orbison, kind of these wavy, wavy guitar lines that follow the melody. And, and I don't know, this sounds like a song that Bruce has always wanted to make. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a beautiful song. And once again, very reflective of the overall theme of the, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's very representative of the overall theme of reflection in this record. Yes. You know, um, you know, uh, the second verse, things I found out through hard times and good, um, dug deep in my soul and signed my name true and sent it in my letter to you. Like, just very reflective, so, you know, very inwardly looking at sort of like his history and his life and the things yeah. that have sort of passed him by. So um, there, there are these really unique, um, you know, words that he pulls out, but there is this um, coming back to song after song after song, this reflectiveness in the lyrics. Yeah. And uh, he's managed to ca- capture it really very nicely. 
it's something that I'm going to bring up in a song later on down the album, but you, you got to think about the fact that we're watching a lot of our heroes die right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of, I mean, we've lost Bowie in the last couple of years and, and just people around him constantly just losing people that he came up with. But to watch Bruce continue through his own, you know, taking care of himself and his constant work ethic to watch him continue to rise at such a later age. Um, I think that had a lot to do with this as well. So uh, letter, obviously a fucking standout um, going to three, which was, you know, when we talked about it to begin with, this was my, this was my jam. And um, burning train is just a song. I can't wait to see live. Yeah. And uh, the first thing in a while that was reminiscent to me of born to run, which I was very excited about nights was a really good uh, mutual example that we, we brought out, but just the energy at 70, 72, whatever it is now that he's at, how do you fucking put that together? It's, it's not a song that I'm looking at as much lyrically as I am emotion, like just emotion from the music surrounding it. Just a fucking wall of sound, an absolute wall of sound. Yeah. You know, he, he knows how to take you on that train, buddy. He does. On that train ride. It's like, you know, he, 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 he takes us to the promised land over and over and over again. Yep. And he does it in very high energy kinds of ways. And sometimes he can do it in very subtle ways. And this is, a high energy kind of way. And I agree with you. I cannot wait to see this one live. It makes me want to run through a fucking brick wall. And it, and it also, it made me laugh too. Cause when I, when I first saw the track listing and I saw burning train, I right. was like, man, this guy writes a lot about trains, man, <laughs> downbound train, burning train. Like he, he loves his trains. Um, um, you know what we did a, uh, a couple months, uh, sometime this past summer, all the seasons are, uh, coming together. It's still me. March, um, Bruce. It's still March. Um, but during the summer, um, we did a theme day of uh, programming on XPN and it was some really silly theme of like songs about trains, planes and automobiles <laughs> and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. People love that shit. Oh, um, yeah. I love that shit. To your I point, do too. I did a whole hour of Bruce uh, train songs. That's amazing. All the songs. Uh, it was streets and trains that uh, Bruce has written about. Right. So yeah, the train is a powerful metaphor. I think I mean, too, I, I, this is one of those things where I think they might have developed the music around it before they took the words. Because to me, I think the imagery you get from listening to the sounds around it is a fucking train just ripping down the track. And to me, like, uh, the band is sharp. The band's incredibly sharp. Max, once again, comes right out. But it's, uh, it's the way he layers his vocals and, and the different things like that. And I think, too, we haven't touched on this yet. The fact that everything was done live on this record. I know. That's crazy, right? Uh, from my perspective, as somebody who did not grow up in an era where things are cut live, we never cut anything live. We, yeah. cut, we cut demos live, but when we go in there, you're breaking it piece by piece. Yeah. Um, and to think four days to make all this live, <laughs> it's fucking dumbfounding, and especially a song like Burning Train. I, it's... it's it's unbelievable. And, and once again, a shout out back to, to the Born to Run era. That leads us into Janie Needs a Shooter, which was one of my the first listen standouts to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me a little bit of uh, My City of Ruin. Off mm-hmm. of, um, Interesting. Uh, just, just with, I, once again, this once again goes to the key that it's in and the walk down <laughs> that it does. Um, but it actually, you know, it, it's the big Hammond B3 organ swelling. And mm-hmm. it's a, it's, it's to me a more low stakes song on the record as far as theme goes. It's, it's, yeah. This seems like maybe something he wrote back in the day that he brought back. Um, well, you know, it's um, so you know that it's a song that he co-wrote um, with Warren Zevon. We were just talking about Warren Zevon on the podcast on um, Monday. So 
on Warren Zevon's, oh uh, shit, what year is it? I don't know, 80, 81, Bad Luck Streak in Dancing School, that album. Um, it didn't have any really big hit songs on it. Um, he does, uh, he does, he called it Genie Needs a Shooter. Oh, so this is an older song. An older song. Wow, I can't believe I picked um, But um, from what I understand, Bruce took the original song and then re readdressed it. <laughs> whatever wow. the fuck that means. Whatever uh, the fuck that means. So yeah, you should <laughs> AB a, Warren Zevon's version um, with Bruce's version. Um, uh, there definitely are some differences. I'm um, blown away. I did not know that, that existed for one. And two, if there was ever a writer's room that I want to sit in, it's those two motherfuckers. Right? Because, I mean, Ken, our bass player, said it best on Monday. He said that Warren Zevon is a songwriter, songwriter. He's never going to get the, I mean, besides Lawyers, Guns, and Money, and Werewolves of London, he's never going to get the mainstream attention. But, I mean, he just wrote fucking great songs. And to think that Bruce had a hand in that. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 to me, it's just a, like a... As a songwriter, sometimes I just really enjoy listening to a song that I don't have to focus that hard on. That is, to me, like, just the Hammond B3s off the top really caught me. And uh, his voice just sounds fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It reminds me, that song also reminds me of Something in the Night. Yes. Okay. Oh, how did I miss that? There, there's a pulse to it. There's a pulse to it that reminds me of that. Something in the Night is one of, if not my favorite Bruce Springsteen songs. Right? I can't you don't believe think I... About, you don't think about that song until you hear it. You know what I mean? Like, you go, oh, yeah, right, that song. Well, and oh, I can't believe I missed this, this comparison, but going back to Burning Train for one second, you bring up Something in the Night, and there's these moments um, where the melody is being driven. The guitars are just playing single chords, but the melody is being driven by these single high piano notes on the back end. And right. it's the same thing as something in the night. They actually use the glockenspiel on this record a little bit too, which to me is like, um, I mean, I was listening to the new killers record recently and there's a lot of moments in that where they're using the glockenspiel to build the melody. And I'm like, wow, that is such a Bruce rip. Um, so that's another thing I was really, that got me nostalgic. That was like a, my childhood kind of a thing. Like there is, right. there is a childlike element to Bruce's music sometimes. And that's what I, I really love about that. So uh, Janie needs a shooter to me a standout, which brings us to a song that I think we're both going to get into a lot. Um, Last man standing Woo. heavy. Uh, my notes here say creepy dark and in big capital letters darkness on the edge of town underlined so that well, i'll let you start off so why, to, why creepy what's creepy about it being the backstory that i knew about it you know on its face when you're thinking about bruce he he does these kind of things where he talks about kind of his standing of like this is where i am this is where i am and if you take it in a certain perspective you can take it almost as an element of hubris of like almost like a, i'm still here kind of a thing but when i think about it it brings me back to the overarching elements of the album where we're talking about the loss of his friends and uh if you listen to the lyrics at the beginning of the song he's describing he's describing this man and what he's wearing Right, And he brings up certain elements, and I, and I put it together that it's about George Thies because he's talking about uh, – re after reading his book, he talks a lot about having played Union Halls and Knights right. of Columbus, and right. he's actually recapping what him and George did together when mm -hmm. they were young and building and learning, and they're playing these shitty shows and parking lots. And, but he, you, if you listen to the interviews of Bruce talking about it, he's talking about George was the cool one. He was the good-looking one. Right. He was the one we all thought was going to make it. But at the end of the day, 45 years down the line, Bruce is the last man standing, and he's so – he's waxing about it. And, and you, there's, a, there's a pain in it as well. But um, the darkness melodies in there with the piano once again building the melody, mm -hmm. that, caught, that got me. That, this one got me. Yeah. 
Um, it's his, I think uh, it's his most sense of place song on the record. Agreed. Right. He immediately takes you to a place on this song, a physical place, not just a spiritual, mental one, but a physical place with the references. And he describes the, what they're wearing on the band, you know, what the mm -hmm. band's wearing. Um, and then you kick in the band and side by side, you take the crowd on their mystery ride. I mean, uh, like that, that's like that, that's the essence of a Bruce Springsteen concert. Uh, that's the essence of a great rock and roll show. Yes. Right? Agreed. Right. Um, the band kicks in. They're, mo they're, they're hitting on all cylinders. Yeah. They're, in Bruce's words, a well-oiled machine. And then they take you to a place, you know? And it's an escape. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a magical mystery ride. And, and I mean, every, every show you see, um, I think um, I, friends, Loka Kani, are good at this. They, they are very oh, much like a trying. That is incredible. You yeah. got to, and I mean, we, we always try and suspend reality for a moment. You're trying to, you're trying to take people away from their everyday life and take them and just fucking capture it for an hour, an hour. Or in Bruce's, you know, humble moments, three four, or four, three or four. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, us mere mortals can do it for an hour, an hour and a half. Right. Um, but right. yes, I agree with the, the sense of place and, and that idea of, of Bruce kind of his standing and, and what he's all about. I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. But it's great. It's great. Right. It's another, you know, like I said, he should open his next tour with that song. I agree with that. And it sets the stage for everything. It, it really fucking does. And then, and then you got to go into a darkness cut after that. I, I do agree. If you want to keep it in, in, in the pocket. Yeah. Uh, yeah. going, going to the power of prayer going into this. But when I saw the title, I was like, cause Bruce, Bruce, there's two, there's two vocalists that I always see kind of referencing religion. And Bruce, Bruce does a lot of – I always, in a joking way, say Dave Matthews always writes about the same shit. He always writes about the devil, and he always writes about his religious battle. Um, but, I mean, Bruce is a good Catholic boy, such as myself, going to write songs about power of prayer. Um, but to me, it was not as much – of it's more of this kind of his overarching theme of, like, the spirituality and music and the way that he does things. And, and, and to me, like, I, I really enjoyed the song going after it. And I, I wrote this down. I wrote jungle land opening because it's back to back tracks between that and the thousand house of a thousand guitars, where you're getting these kind of, um, these twinkly piano openings, like reminiscent of a, of a jungle land or a, or a, um, thunder road and that to me was like, once again, a, a holler back to maybe he wrote these songs around the time of, yeah of those records yeah um the power of prayer is my favorite song on the record really okay cool yeah it is go um, off king go off no I, <laughs> why do people <laughs> colin uh, i'm a nice jewish boy uh, yes a nice catholic boy but why do people pray why do i do it why do why do people in general pray connection with something higher than us and kind of uh and i mean we brought this up before the podcast but uh, if you're losing control or there's something you can't control, reaching out to something that maybe can. Right. So there's a word for that and that's hope. Yeah. Right. So I don't think of the word prayer when I hear this song, what does he mean by prayer? He means hope. I, I couldn't have said that better. I think that's a fucking great. That's what I think this song is about. It's the power of hope and the spirit of optimism. Yeah. And However, you're touched by that through whatever spiritual thing that you're dealing with. Absolutely. That's what I think that's what this song is about. And I keep, I keep going, I keep being drawn back to this song. I've listened to the album a dozen times, maybe. Yeah. 
I just I I just ran right before this. I was on a run and I listened to the whole thing a time and a half. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Bruce, that's really that kind of reshapes the song for me in a certain perspective. And I even like the cheesy uh, Sticks esque piano intro. Yes, a hundred percent. Yo, a hundred percent. That was to me like I got where he was going with the intro and it's cool. But um, doing it, I, I was kind of half expecting to hear Lady. I mean, too, uh, the only thing in sequencing on the album, because we've talked about how well this, this album is sequenced, I would not have put Power to Prayer and uh, Power of Prayer and House of a Thousand Guitars back to back because they I do start so similarly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, Power of Prayer, it really is a, an amazing song. And I think I'm going back and listen to it, I think I'll frame it less as a religious kind of shout out and more of a hope thing because. I, I need it right now. And I, I, I'm a positive guy. I'm always trying to bring the positivity out. But th- there is so much to look at right now in the world. <laughs> um, there's so much happening. And, and there's things that we're going to look back 50 years from now and go, how the fuck did we get through all of this? Yeah, you well, you're going to be here in 50 years. I'm not. But that's beside the point. But I, I think that's you. bullshit. Bruce. I, I, you. I, I think I you're going to be you. sitting in that exact same, <laughs> exact same seat. We're going to be doing this in 50 years. And we're going to be like, amen to that. Amen. Uh, so you got to have hope. You got to have hope. I'm, I call I, I'm a blind optimist 90% of the time externally externally internally I, I, I tend to, to uh, mull over things a little more but I like to project positivity uh, um, on that. Yeah. Uh, house of a thousand guitars like I said yeah. very very Thunder Road jungle land opening yeah. uh, to me maybe maybe the one song that uh, from time to time I skip past mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that maybe it's um because of where it's at in the album I, I tend to kind of uh a burnout from Power of Prayer and House of a Thousand Guitars back to back. Right. Uh, but on their face, each song is amazing. So I, I got to listen to that a sequence a bit. Yeah. Um, anything you'd like to add on that song? No, no. Um, I, I have a, a, a love, less love relationship with that song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to, I want to like it uh, more than I actually like it. <laughs> I feel like um, that song was for Bruce. I feel like Bruce put that song on to kind of wax the way he used to in a certain perspective. Like um, my, my dad used to call, um, guys like Steve Vai, like guitar players who would do stuff like that. He would always say they were jerking off. And uh, <laughs> to me, this might be Bruce kind of uh, grandstanding and getting out in front a little bit. And this might be like a classic throwback Bruce track. And if there's ever yeah. a moment on the track of, of uh, on the album where he's kind of out in the front doing his Roy Orbison impersonation, this might be it. Although I will, I will give Bruce credit, uh, lyrical credit on this song. Yeah. Um, because whether it's about him or not, I love the line, the criminal clown has stolen the throne. He steals what he can never own. Yes, I did. I, that was a standout lyric to me. And you know, so, I, you know, I project. I think I know who it's about, but I didn't write the fucking song. So what the hell? Ooh, t- hold on real quick. Can you give me the, what do you think it is? I think it's about Trump. God, I fucking hope so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that makes a lot of sense. And I didn't put it in that context because I'm kind of like looking at all these as internal songs. Right. Um, that to me, I mean, uh, I, I, I recently written something. It's okay. I'll, I'll send, I'll send it to you. But you know, I don't know. You know, it's funny. Cause you know, over the, over the last year, you know, over the last six months, you know, we've been getting songs from bands and stuff like that. And they're very relevant for the moment. Yeah. And we'll be like in interviews on world cafe, we'll be like, Oh, so, um, you, you wrote that song during the pandemic. People would be like, no, I wrote that song like three years ago. I had no idea. It's just like, that was the headspace I was in at the time I wrote the song. You know, it's, I I don't I like the honesty at least that people can tell you the dead honest time when they because I don't like when you see interviews with people, mm-hmm. and uh, they they wrote this song years ago, but they try and make it seem like they did it for some sort of um, 
political or, or social reason that is currently going on maybe to sell more records maybe that's it but uh, i also take everything with a grain of salt in that perspective because i know how this industry works but to know uh that there are bands that are currently writing things that are in you know six months from now going to come out and we'll know what that was about i'm interested yeah. in so yeah. well on that point um the protest song of the moment i think is um a song called do or die by ani defranco haven't gotten into it yet but you got to send it haven't to me. checked it out you should absolutely listen to it the Absolutely. protest song of the year to me is uh, "Little Baby," uh, the bigger picture. I fucking love. Uh, a, I love. A bunch of people have told me that that I, I'm. I know the song. Yeah, but a lot of people are are pointing to that song. I love that song. I well, I, I like "Little Baby" a lot, and I mean, you're a fellow hip hop guy, and of, of the new crop of guys coming through, mm-hmm. it's been fun to watch him. Uh, mature and kind of come into his own as a lyricist and as an artist but let's get off little baby and go back into bruce yeah uh that takes us to rainmaker which to me is the kind of not the midpoint but the dip in the record that uh harkens back to devils and dust mm-hmm. uh more of the acoustic side um it, it it to me was the moment where the band got to step back this was a bruce set where the band got to take its breather for a minute and bruce carries it right. um, but i wrote here reprieve from guitar rock for a minute yeah, and to let him reaffirm what he's talking about. So, if you want to go into Rainmaker at all, no, not really. I, I agree with that. Um, it's a really it's a relief track for me yeah. for for the album. Um, maybe even for the listener, and maybe for the listener. You know, this is the point at which he goes out. Uh, he goes out into the audience, and they, mm-hmm. you know, he's in the center of the right, and he plays a couple acoustic tunes or whatever. Yeah. And he comes what the fuck do I know? I'm this like, is where this is I'm where like I we're managing Bruce Springsteen's show now. <laughs> I think we could do it. I think we could do a good job to be completely oh, honest. Oh, come on. Of course we could. But I, I mean, it, it, it it's maybe it wasn't what I wanted because when I'm hearing this, I'm, I'm hearing the band. I'm, I'm listening to the E Street Band on this record. So to me, it's a song that um, I haven't run back as much, but there might be a, a moment when I'm driving at night where this song might be appropriate. You know what I mean? I, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and that brings us to the, the ninth track. If I was a priest, which yes. has been a lot of people's picks for favorite song, it's uh, unbelievable. Yes, it is. I really like because you don't know what you're getting at the beginning of the song till the band kicks in, and right. the way he he takes the guitar melody in a different way is a little bit John Mellencamp to me. Which I I actually I actually Ooh, I, I I like that a lot. Um, yeah. and, and instead if I'm going guitar stuff here, he's not going GCD. He's going GF see and it just it's a different tone to the song and i i really i really like it uh lyrically really cool song very classic bruce in a certain perspective with the comparisons between i am this you were this and i i i i enjoyed i enjoyed this song a lot yeah i think this is from his earliest days yes agreed got the wordplay it's got the verbosity um and like you know what this you know um the only interview i saw with bruce was the interview we did on colbert yeah. Um, in which he geeked out over Dylan and Lana Del Rey. Yes. Um, well, yes. But, um, you know, the Dylan thing, you know, it's interesting. I never, I, I never, I, I didn't, I didn't hear, listen, I graduated high school in 75, right? right. So, you know, um, Greetings came out in 73. I was in high school, right? Yeah. And I wasn't really into Dylan then. I'm still not a huge Dylan. And guy. I never really kind of got the Dylan, like, you know music critics whatever they were like dylan-esque i'm like well i don't fucking know bob dylan so who the fuck i'm glad to hear you say that because it's it's a it's a point where if you're running in songwriting circles or even just as like a music fan or like a historian in certain perspectives 
I've never gotten the Dylan thing. It's never hit me. It's yeah, never, I've never had that moment. I, I mean, I don't, because you have an acoustic guitar and you stick a lot of words into a song, does that mean you're fucking Bob Dylan? No, it's like, I don't, I don't, you know, look, uh, you know, there's a part, there's a music critic part of me that yeah. never quite got that. Um, but, you know, um, I mean, I would, I would argue that <laughs> like a Rolling Stone is Bob, is Bob Dylan's born to run. Come on. You yeah, know, uh, well, I mean, to me, and this is, this is, this is, I think I show my true colors here. The best thing that Bob Dylan ever did was introduce the band. I, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I love the band. I fucking, I, I love his more electric stuff. I don't really get the picky acoustic shit. It doesn't catch my interest. Um, but I love oh, the band. Man. Wait a second. We're going to get our asses kicked. Hold on. We got to blank this out. We are you fucking, there's been so much shit that I've said on this podcast where I was like, well, I got to delete that. This, I'm not backtracking here. Look, I can honestly say like, I, I it, it just never happened for me. I, there's certain artists that like, I want to hit me. Like I, right, I so listen, hold on. Let me read a word from if I were the priest. Well, sweet Virgin Mary runs the Holy Grail saloon for a nickel. She'll give you whiskey and a personally blessed balloon. And the Holy Ghost is the host with the most. He runs the burlesque show where they'll let you in for free and they hit you when you go. I mean, is that Dylan-esque? No, it's Bruce-esque. Yeah, if, if it was anything, it's man-man drummers, bombers, and Indians in the summer with exactly. teenage diplomat. Yeah, this is, yes, this is, if anything, a self-referential moment back to, to greetings. It, 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 that's a good point because when I, when I was listening to it today, I did get Dylan vibes because we're programmed to think about it like that. Yeah. Um, but it's more self-referential than it is to anybody else. Yeah, I agree. All right. That, that's it. Yeah. We cleared that up. Yeah. Um, and I, <laughs> well, like I said, if anybody has any uh, death threats or notes they'd like to send, Bruce's address is no, – I'm just kidding. Um, that leads us to Ghosts, which, yeah. of course, we, we both said, like, you know, what a, what a fucking track. Uh, to me, the single on the record. Uh, Bru- so- uh, yeah. The first time I played this on the radio, I played it right into Cadillac Ranch. Oh, okay. That's what it reminds me of, you know. I think that the you were doing it with your hands, but the but the the toms that they use and the uh, dum 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 dum. It actually reminded me of we take care of our own a little bit. It does, you know. Good point. I didn't think of that. It was interesting to me though because I the first time I listened to it, I thought Bruce was singing out of key. Um, when he has the I hear the sound of your guitar because you have no reference. Um. You have no right. reference uh, melodically. He sets it, and then the right. band comes in. And I was like, oh, th- thank God that that wasn't what happened. Um, but to <laughs> me, the chorus, it, it's just a really well-put-together rock and roll song. Yeah. Um, but I thought vocally this might have been Bruce's best performance on the record. I, I love the way that he, he's chasing a melody in, in the chorus. And just yeah. five and a half minutes of everything that I needed. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Um, once again, shouts out to Max fucking just heavy duty we have a conversation a lot in this band and jimmy always asked me why don't we ever talk about max weinberg we always talk about bruce springsteen but why don't i ever talk about max weinberg and uh that's a great fucking question because and just as far as as far as drummers go in the pantheon i think he's incredibly underrated yeah i agree um i've heard enough about john john bonham is the greatest drummer of all time in my opinion but it's the easiest it's the most layup it's like saying drake is the most popular artist in the world we know john bonham's great but let me hear about somebody else yeah um, and then my favorite song on the record, Song for Orphans. Um, very, I, I actually wrote down a note here. This is interesting, right? So I wrote very promisingly and very darkness, but uh, I hear a tinge of the wallflowers in there. 
Ooh. It's very uh, Sixth yeah. Avenue heart, uh, Sixth Avenue, Sixth Avenue heartache. Um, and there's there's slide moments underneath the track that I almost wondered if Jacob Dylan was there. I don't know. I I I could be I could be right. I could be wrong. But it, it um the reason I love the song so much is it's Bruce's love letter to the misfits and the people who didn't make it. And because uh, once again, he's seen everything over the years. He's seen. The he he talks about you know he sees uh, highways lined with people who went to Hollywood and didn't make it and, and, and different artists who didn't make it and to me when he's talking about orphan he's, he's talking about misfits he's talking about the people who didn't make it all the way but right. he's looking at it as the conquering soldier in this perspective and he and he's writing to everybody else and 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 to, like that to me like I I loved the, the idea of orphans to like kind of the island of misfit toys I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it's a very interesting, um, that's, that's also a really uh, interesting observation. Again, I think this kind of goes back to the early days of his songs, the, yeah. the few that he pulled off the shelf. Um, but it's increasingly becoming one of my favorite songs on the record. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd probably say top three or four. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, and, and we're going to go right into that, but I would have, st- um, I'll see you in my dreams. Perfect ending yeah. um, to kind of, to kind of bring back the idea of the losses that he suffered. And also the fact that we'll all be joined again at some point in time. You yeah. know what I mean? And um, yeah. Remember he covered suicides, dream, baby dream. Yes. This sort of reminds me of that a little bit. It's got the same sensibility, same sentimental value to it. I enjoy the the way that he wraps an idea up because it's very hard to do in a record. It's yeah. very hard to to not play the singles game and to and to take a theme through a record and finish it up start to beginning or yeah. start to end. And the yeah. bookends on this record are incredibly strong, not as single songs, but as parts of a record and sequencing. Yeah. Um, and that that you know what that raises a really really big point, a really amazing issue about this album. It is a quote unquote proper album in that regard. Yes. It has a storyline. It's got a start. It's got a middle. It's got a finish. It's got a, a very, very well scripted, very intentional storyline. And that's missing from a lot of music these days. It is, man. And, and, you know? and I'm glad you brought that up. Whose fault is that, though? You know what I mean? Like, it, it... I think artists are kind of backed into a corner in a certain perspective now with the with the current landscape where you've got to play the singles game. You've got to get that song to hit or you got to you got to be lucky enough or cut your teeth enough to earn the right to make those records. Yeah. Which is a very odd way to look at it cuz back in the day that's how you did things. You made records. Now, you have to like almost have an uh I don't know, like a standing to where it's like, "Okay, we want a record from you." We don't want to, like, if I had a dollar, I would never forget this in my entire life. I had a, I, we had a person who was considering being our manager back in the day. Uh, we were in Nashville and I told him, I was like, God, ah, dude, I'm like 14 songs into a record. And he said, why? Mm-hmm. He's like, who the fuck in the world wants a Foxtrot and the Get Down record? Mm-hmm. And on its face, I, I, I remember like looking at this dude in his eyes and my sensibilities came out. I was like, who the fuck are you, dude? I don't even know you. <laughs> um, and it shaped the way that I actually wound up looking at things for a few years there. Um, okay. And I, I fought that singles game. Um, but I think this record, along with a lot of the things that are going on in the world, the, the whole reset button's been hit with the pandemic. The, the, the rules are out the fucking window. Yeah, um, I, I think the reset buttons was reset way before the pandemic. I mean, you ask who's responsible. Like, how did it get to? The, first of all, there are people who are still making great records. 100%. I, there, I agree with there that. Are, there are fewer and fewer of them. But I think it's um, – I think there's a lot of – it all starts with the artist. 
right? Mm -hmm. And the music they were, they grew up with, right? Yes. And I think the further we get away from, uh, the further that generations get away from the era of the album, yes, right? Um, and the people they work with are of the same age. Mm. Um, you know, um, you can't think about like the days of Warner Brothers and Ted Templeman, who, who made great records, you know, right. back, I mean, you know, the seventies were a long time ago, the sixties were a long time ago. And I think it's a confluence of a lot of factors. And yeah, I, I agree. Think, I think that's absolutely part of it. Um, I think A&R is absolutely part of it. hundred percent. I think um, the, to your point, the technology is absolutely part of it. Mm -hmm. I think um, the, 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 um, the intended or unintended consequences of, of, um, of virality yeah. Uh, when something goes viral and the impact of that uh, uh, in art versus commerce, um, all these things sort of are working in, in force together. You bring up that point, right? Virality. And, and it, it, br it brings up point to me because we've had conversations about social media between us on this podcast. And um, the one thing that I had a conversation the other day with a songwriting friend of mine was I don't understand because I mean, I'm, I'm in my late twenties now I'm 29. So I'm looking at, I'm almost kind of at the point where I'm like looking at like, okay, the kids are doing this. I'm not the kids anymore. Do you know what I mean? Um, when did it become cool to not know things? There's this, there's a trend going around on social media where, where there's kids, especially on TikTok, who like to do videos of them listening to songs from 10 years ago and act like they've never heard it before. When I was a kid, there was never a time when I didn't want to know something. I needed to know everything. I never wanted to be face to face with an adult and them try and bring up something like bring up a Bob Seger song from 1972. And I don't know what you're talking about. I had a thirst to know everything. And I think part of this denial or this like kind of a, like a, uh, an ignorance of the past is part of a problem. Like, I, I don't know if that's like maybe old, like getting to be old man yelling at the clouds over here, but that's where I'm at. Some of that, some of that resonates with me a little bit. Um, you know, I, um, I don't question, um, you know, anybody's intentions um, like those um, there, there, there's a, there's many of these series of, young people listening to old records and reacting those reaction videos yeah that's interesting to me you know, i think there's like you know i think it's i'm sure some of that is like acting we're gonna listen to uh still yeah, exactly 100 see whatever. you're not skeptical i'm always I'm skeptical. skeptical i'm no, a I'm i am i'm so skeptical i'm skeptical of everything i see on the internet i don't believe anything and i think it has something to do with the uh the orange dude standing in the White House, maybe, but I don't believe anything I see on the internet. So I always come with this eye of like, you fucking know that song. Don't lie to me. You've heard, you've heard smells like teen spirit. Don't fucking lie exactly. to me. Come exactly. On. All right. I'll say one more thing about the album, the album, and we'll, we'll move on to the last song. A collection of 12 songs is not an album. Agreed. I agree with that. And I think there is this sense that a collection of 12 songs is an album by a group of people out now and that's why i think there's you know been a loss of the uh, of the a loss of the album you know what was the I, last I would, to, I would love to get adam wiener from oka connie to hear his thoughts about this i think he would agree with with me on this you know we um, i've actually i've actually talked to his people about having we we could do it we could do it three on we could do it three-way on this i would love to I be would able have to, a three-way with you and adam man in a second sign, sign me up bud sign oh. me up all right, oh, last man. song. Last song. Uh, 
I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to cut you off, but there's one question I do have. What's That's the right. last, what's the last album, like recent album that you think of as an album? You know what? If it takes me too long to answer, then I can't remember. Um, the, the one that's sticking out to me is the first Leon Bridges record. Yeah. Um, I like some of that. I, I, um, but at least there was a, like a succinct thought into what he was doing in, in creating this kind of a world. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. You know, whose album, you know, who made a, an amazing album this year? Phoebe fucking Bridgers. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. I agree with that. I, I, I yes, I fucking completely, it was a Punisher. Yeah. Fucking great record. Punisher is an amazing album from start to finish. Okay. And I, we can also bring up Fiona Apple in that perspective. I, I do. That's that, another uh, wonderfully sequenced, um, fantastic. And I'll tell you another album that came out this year that I definitely hear as an album. Mm. RTJ4. Four. Fuck yes. Absolutely. I just got goosebumps when you said that. When you, when you did the slow talk RTJ. I was wearing a uh, Run the Jewels tank top at the gym today. So I've been, I'm on your fucking wavelength. Right? From start to finish. That album has, again, it has a story. It's, it has a, start, a great start, a great ending, and it has an amazing storyline. And they deliver on that. Well, here, here's the thing, too. And this is also a point of view into, like, thinking about artists earning their way into being able to be an album artist in a certain perspective. Phoebe Bridgers didn't play that game because she's only been around for, like, four years. She's she's younger than me. She She's, like, two years younger than me. She did it in fucking record time. Like, I, I, lo- I like what she yeah. does. Well, there's exceptional talent involved, clearly. 100%. Um, not everybody is created equally on the creative side of things. Agreed. And, and I think um, also the freedom to do that, the freedom, the freedom from to do that. Um, and um, yeah, so I think, again, I'll go back to it's a confluence of different variables that sort of lend itself to uh, great albums or mediocre albums, you know, or not albums at all, not albums at all. <laughs> all right, last track. It will close up here with uh, I'll see you in my dreams. Like I said, perfect ending. That's all. My only real note was just a, a, a sweet goodbye to this era. A good, a, a sweet goodbye to this idea. Yeah, I agree. Um, is a, a good summary, a good summation. It's like it's a good night kiss. Yep. And uh, hopefully, it won't be the last one we get from Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. I sincerely doubt it. Uh, look, looking back uh, over, give me give me three standouts. Uh, I'll go after you. Uh, in no particular order, the power of prayer, burning train, and last man standing. All right, so I had last man standing, burning train, and song for orphans. But then my honorable mention is ghosts, and then uh, you've convinced me on power of prayer. So I'll put that in my honorable mention as well. Yeah, I for Trent, you know, um, caveat here, ghosts. I I kind of pull ghosts out. Like, Single, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It stands know, it, on its own. It stands on its own, you know, and um, and that's the power of prayer. That's, That's the talking. power of prayer, my friend. Bruce. Power of prayer. You know, right. we're gonna, you know we're going to do this again, right? I hope so. Let's bring Wendy into the mix. I'd love to have a conversation with Wendy one day. Ooh, that'd be a lot of fun. Hell yeah. yeah. All right. I can, well, get, I can get her to defend why alternative music is so shitty these days. I don't think she will try and defend it. I think, I think she's become, we've become very like uh, agreeable on that. Like, she's and, got and, great musical taste. I the mean, thing is, too, Wendy doesn't have a dog in the fight anymore. Wendy's an outsider. Wendy doesn't have to like, Wendy doesn't have to cater to one place or another. Wendy can be completely brutally honest. Yeah. Well, it, you know what? We always use, uh, I'm so glad I was never in commercial radio. Yeah. Um, because, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm often very opinionated um, about what we play and, what, and why we play something or why we don't. Right. And one of the great, th- 
great excuses I've always used whenever I've given my uh, opinion was like, hey, we're a public radio station. I can do anything the fuck I want <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> on one level, on one level. It's you know? so funny, man. Like, and we, the last time I did have her on, I said, like, is there anything that interests you? Is there anything that interests you coming out of your sector of things? And I think we both were kind of like, I don't know. I, 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 it's, it's, there, it's, it's conversation that me and Willie have had that I think a lot of the things right now that are being pushed in the mainstream rock world, which of course me and you have had this conversation as well. It's also non sequitur. It's so unrememberable. It's fuck. It, it's also what's being considered rock. It's just, I know. I know. Uh, but I think in my gut and I, I think I'm having a, an existential moment where I think I've captured the energy of the world. I really do believe that guitar is about to make a fucking comeback. And I, I don't mean this in like a mainstream, like I just think people want something real. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Well, I would say it's out there. Uh, you just got to find it. You know, people were interested in the machine gun Kelly album because it had guitars. And I know you're shaking your head. I don't know why that fucking album exists. I have, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 we had uh we had robbie fox from barstool sports on yet on uh, monday and uh i knew he was a fan of the record so i had him defend it right. and uh i said me and you were on the opposite sides of this my friend because there's so many bands that do something similar to that that come up with original ideas and weren't 12 people in a writer's room throwing together blink 182 throwaway songs the fuck out of my face i don't need to see that shit <laughs> the fuck out of here oh. bruce I love, I love you. you, buddy. And uh, we'll do this again soon, all right? All right. Peace. All right, Keep on rocking, buddy. <laughs> yes, sir. See you later.